What's up, folks? How's everybody doing out there in the deciphered world? I know a couple of folks are getting ready to join so we can get it in. I see you. Um, CC Hope 98, I see you, Jess. I see you joining out in the Twitter world. Out in, hey, what's going on? I hope I see you. Appreciate it. I uh, love the professor shout out. So I know some folks are getting in there on the Instagram. I see you over there, uh, Candace Sanchez. I know folks are joining on the Facebook Live as well. I appreciate it. And uh, Munongo, I see what's going on out on the Twitter world. We are getting our live on. I love doing this. I love having this, this setup here. And, you know, we're just going to do this. So for those of you all new to the show, this is what we do on Fridays, 11 o'clock. It's called Deciphered, our spoken word series. I get up here, I share one or two poems with you all, and I decipher the poems to let you know what I was thinking when I was writing them. So today, I'm going to hit you with uh, an older poem, and then I'm going to hit you with the newer poem that I've definitely never read in, in a deciphered space. And if you're following this on Twitter, everything that I'm doing is new. So, you know, that's completely what's going on as it relates to that. Uh, Teo Kasvi, I see you. Sapmwadi's in the building, I see you as well. So, this was gonna happen. I got, I'm gonna hit you with this poem, rocking a different shirt today, and the silence. I believe that silence is compliance. I believe that if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And speaking up is a big, important part of that. See Shape Up Shaoma's in the building. And I continue to forget to give Shaoma a shout out, but yo, we do this at 11.30. Uh, every Friday, we get it in with the spoken word. I mean, at 11 o'clock, we get it in with the spoken word. But if you wanna get your, you know, we work out your mind, but if you want to get the work on with your body, there's like a Dabinga double header thing going on. So at 12, you know, you can always follow at Shape Up Shaomba and, and get a workout in minimum 30 minutes and follow that on the gram. So definitely check that out uh, at Shape Up Shaomba, S-H-A-U-M-B-A. So I definitely wanted to make sure I brought that. Uh, Mr. Bring It To Me, I see you, T. Pendleton. I see you as well in the building. So yeah, that's, that's what's good. Um, you all know most of the poems I've been doing have been from this book. Uh, hey, Jose Madrid, I see you as well. From the limbs of my poetry, you can get that Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Working on my audiobook thing, you know, this summer as well. So that, that'll be coming as well. Hey, uh, Charles Contestine and, and Charisse, I see you as well. So I'm going to share a poem from this, and then I'm going to do a new poem that I've shared uh, in recent weeks. So I hope everybody's with me and ready to go. Let's keep that popping. First poem. Thank you, Musa. I'm glad you liked the book. It's called Hell. You know, it has been said that we are living in the greatest nation on earth, that we are experiencing an economic prosperity never known to mankind. Most homes have TVs and PCs, and many believe that they will finally get that pot of gold at the end of the American rainbow. But are we really living in the best of times or the worst of times? Because through time, it has become quite evident that we have never lived in a paradise of heaven set proportions. For if you take portions of everyone's respective lives to form one collective memory, you would soon see that we are all living in hell. For what does economic affluence mean to the man who lost his family because he fell in love with Wall Street? What do millions of dollars in reparations mean to that Holocaust survivor who would happily spend her last dime to see her family just one last time? 
What about that African-American soldier who was slain in World War II at the hands of a Nazi, but his family will not see his name in any of the history books? And where is heaven for that slave descendant who has yet to see his first dime after 350 years of unpaid labor? I mean, what does a chance at a great education mean, though, to that Latino who voluntarily loses his language, culture, and history in a vain attempt at assimilation? Or that Native American who, in his own nation, is refused his piece of the American pie because he arrived at the table without his reservation? What about that Korean employee working at Mickey D's who can't even be proud of a war her people could have won because she lost her unarmed son at no gun re? And what about brothers given the death penalty after already being sentenced to life in hell as black men in America? I mean, is there really heaven on earth for the immigrant hired help putting in top effort for less than minimum wage? Or that college brown brother whose blood was smothered in a case of road rage? How can you sit there happily in peace while little babies are crying and dying trapped in the middle east meets west? Yes. In a clash of civilizations, while certain developing nations face starvation, children walking around with bloated stomachs and emaciated bodies, while we walk proudly with bloated pockets and emaciated minds, wearing our $200 sweatsuit from a sweatshop run in Thailand by Reebok, too busy watching DVDs on our laptops that we can't hit a gun's pop, pop, pop that killed Amadou, which ironically stopped just before they reached 42, which in the time of Horus Oheru meant divine judgment. You see, it's coming. So can you emerge from your matrix long enough to see that there can be no rich without poor and no peace without war? That there's only a need for Ivy Leagues as long as community colleges strive to be respected by the mainstream? That there can only be developing nations at the bottom as long as rich nations live lavishly at the top? And that there would be no billionaire record executives without negative lyrics in hip-hop? The next time you look into the mirror, stare deep into your eyes and realize that the good life for you is nothing but someone else's hell. So it's really all just a gigantic wishing well. So let those of us who have experienced success, bless the world of our knowledge and not live comfortably on the edge of selfishness. For if you spend your entire life devoted to material wealth while drinking and smoking yourself into declining health, if you choose not to take the time to serve those less fortunate than we, then hell will be arriving at your door much faster than you can blink and sooner than you think. All right, that's the first piece for today. It's called Hell. I'm going to break it down shortly. My attempts at sponsorship for my for my cups never worked out, so you know, I'm just going with the blank cups here. I'm going to skip me with my upstander cups, though, for sure. Brittany, I see you. What's up, Edson? Edson, I see you as well. So, again, I'm going to jump into this first poem and break it down. Signs of the Time. This was one of the poems I wrote over almost 20 years ago. Unfortunately, as you can see, uh, many of the words are, are still relevant, unfortunately. And I wrote this around the time of 9-11, you know, to really kind of encapsulate a lot of the things that were going on in my mind during that time. So let's break it down. Hey, Aqua, I see you, and B Spaniard, thanks for joining as well on Twitter as well. So let's break it down. Living in a world faced with war on multiple... Ah, that's a different poem. That's the poem I did last week, Signs of the Time. <clears throat> Here we go. Hell. As been said, we're living in the greatest nation on Earth. I don't know if getting banned from, like, European countries and stuff makes us great. Uh... Anywho, uh, yeah, even been said that we're experiencing an economic prosperity never known to mankind. Well, kind of not really, but people say it, you know what I mean? So most homes have TVs, PCs, well, now Macs and laptops and uh, iPads and tablets and stuff. So, But let's get to the real crux of it. And many believe that they'll get that pot of gold at the end of the American rainbow. That road is 
dwindling for many of us, unfortunately. But are we really living in the best of times or the worst of times, playing off the classic book? Because through time, it has become quite evident that we have never lived in a paradise. I see you, Musao, of heaven shed for portions. For if you take portions of everyone's respective lives to form one collective human memory, you'll see that we're all living in hell. And then I start to break this down to start to start to speak about what I see different cultures experiencing. Hey, Abraham, I see you. Um, so I ask, what does economic affluence mean to the man who lost his family because he fell in love with Wall Street? So this is the conversation to the person who, had, as Lauren Hill said, gained the world for the price of your soul. You got all the riches, you got everything, but you lost you know, your entire family on that route. Your affluence doesn't mean anything at that point. Next question. What do millions of dollars of reparations mean to that Holocaust survivor who would happily spend her last dime to see her family just one last time? Yes, many of our Jewish and brothers and sisters did receive various forms of reparations. But if you were to ask people what they thought, and I see that comment about the ca casino economy. That's a powerful point as well. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, if, if you were to ask any survivor of the Holocaust, Hey, Dog Ray, I see you. If they would rather have their family members with them instead of the, 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 the reparations, it's an it's a honest or, or any type of compensation they may have received. The answer is obvious because there's no amount of money you can put on somebody's life. Right. Hey, uh, Star Adventures, I see you as well. Next question. What about that African-American soldier slain in World War II at the hands of a Nazi, but his family will not see his name in any of the history books? So I'm playing off the word, the word Nazi and Nazi. Hey, Black Yoga, I see you as well. So, you know, so many African-American soldiers, Black people, you know, fought in these wars, but have not been recognized. And if you look at the documentaries historically of that time, you never see Black soldiers in them. And they were there. What does that say? They've like been completely whitewashed in some of these stories. And that's what I mean when I say history matters and words matter. We have to really understand the history because we fought in these wars and we don't get the recognition that so many of us rightfully deserve. Next question. And where is heaven for that slave descendant who has yet to see his first dime after 350 years of unpaid labor? Read the work of Ta-Nehisi Coates. So, you know, yeah, we talked about the Tuskegee Airmen as well, right? Um, and the case for reparations is due to us. And many people think that these financial contributions to like random companies are like reparations. No, we're talking about something systemic, something recognized by the government because the work has been done. The compensation has not been made and it has not been paid. And this is what I'm talking about today when I'm rocking the shirt, talking about end the silence. We got to speak up on that. What does the next question? What does the chance at a great education mean, though, to that Latino who voluntarily loses his language, culture, and history in a vain attempt at assimilation? And growing up, you know, in the 80s and 90s, I used to see these stories of, you know, um, Hispanic people who I would knew, who I knew, who would shorten their name from like Jose to Joe because uh, they could pass. Hey, Daryl Sims, I see you, uh, because they could pass for white. And so they wanted to blend in like that. And there were a lot of stories like that. And so I'm saying, What's the point? Because the vain attempt at assimilation, it's not going to get you anywhere. And it's not going to get your people anywhere, your, your community anywhere. And so my thing is just be yourself. You got to be you because everybody else is taken.
Or what about that Native American who in his own nation is a hugest piece of the American pie because he arrived at the table without his reservation? So I'm playing off of Native American reservations in that terminology, but also talking about the rights that they deserve. Oh, and hey, by the way, change the name of the Washington football team. Many of us were talking about it before it's popular. I'm glad it's popular now. I'm glad it's trending that people are talking about it and doing that work and, you know, join the movement because many of us have been about that life for years. And so, yes, it needs to be changed. And, you know, let's keep that going. I see you, 03RY, as well. So we got we got to do this work. That that football team's name's always been racist. It's always been a racist slur. And we can talk about, you know, would you support a team called the, you know, the, the, the New York niggas or, you know, the, 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 the I, I, anything else. It's like pick, it, pick a name, right? We wouldn't do that. So I never felt comfortable supporting that team, even though I lived here. And I actually hope they lose, like, every season, as long as they have that name. But you could change it to the Red Tails. Hmm. Honoring, you know, the black airmen uh, who never lost a mission. I'm just saying you're only changing five letters out of the eight words out of the eight letters in the word. I mean, y'all know I just be saying stuff. Anywho. And what about that Korean employee working at Mickey D's who can't even be proud of a war her people could have won because she lost her unarmed son at No Gun Re. I'm talking about, yeah, just saying, you know. So, you know, we're talking about the slaughter that took place at No Gun Re. Talking about, we're talking about Korea. And what about brothers giving the death penalty after already being sentenced to life in hell as black men in America? Does that not speak for itself? Rest in peace, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, you know, and we can add our sisters in here. I say black men in here, but we can add our sisters in here. Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor. It's like, you know, already been sentenced to death and people decided to play judge, jury, and executioner. Not cool. Is there really heaven on earth for the immigrant hired help? putting in maximum effort for less than minimum wage. And I really want to shout out there and, and give respect to people within our undocumented community because they're not getting the government benefits that are being promised. And, you know, they're suffering and they're doing uh, as hard work as anyone else in this country, paying taxes and everything else to build this community, this country, and they're not getting those benefits. And then someone wrote, you know, I, I see uh, B. Spaniel, immigrants are the new slaves. It's like, how could you not argue with that? I mean, how could you argue with that? I mean, and so I wanted to you know, mention that. And again, this poem is almost 20 years old or that college brown brother whose blood was smothered in the case of road rage. I'm thinking of the brother and sister at Morehouse College who are the Spellman who were pulled out of their cars and, and almost killed. Right. Goes on and on. How can now I'm calling out to you? How can you sit there happily in peace while little babies are crying and dying trapped in the Middle East meets West? Yes. In a clash of civilizations, while certain developing nations face starvation, children walking around with bloated stomachs and emaciated bodies, while we walk proudly with bloated pockets and emaciated minds. I'm talking about, you know, countries where people are struggling and kids are suffering. And, you know, they, they, may, they look emaciated or they are emaciated, but we're walking around with all the money in the world for, you know, those of us who have that type of access. But our minds are thinned. Our minds are emaciated because we're not studying our history. We're not learning. You know, people, uh, thank you mentioned Yemen, for example. You know, we're not learning from history. And as Marcus Garvey said, those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. As I said in my poem last week, those who do not understand their history are doomed to rhyme with it. Wearing our $200 sweatsuit from a sweatshop run in Thailand by Reebok. Too busy watching DVDs on our laptops. That was when we watched DVDs on our laptops. And now it's, you know, whatever. Too busy streaming on our tablets. Is that what's going on? You know, whatever. It's too busy streaming on our, our watching DVDs on our laptops that we can't hear the gaps pop, pop, pop. That killed Amadou. That ironically stopped just before they reached 42. 
which in the time of Horus or Heru meant divine judgment. I'm talking about Amadou Diallo shot 41 times. And I said just before they reached 42, which in the time of Horus or Heru meant divine judgment. I'm talking about the 42 principles of Ma'at uh, that my parents schooled me on, you know, growing up, which was the original confessions. So you can emerge, can you, can you emerge from your matrix long enough to see that there can be no rich without poor and no peace without war, that there's only a need for Ivy Leagues as long as community colleges strive to be respected by the mainstream. What are we really getting with our Ivy Leagues education in terms of, you know, versus what's happening at other schools? Is it really just a name? And hey, I studied at all of these places and, and have spoken. If I haven't studied at an Ivy League school, I've spoken at one. So it's no shade towards the school. But what I'm saying is if you come out with a degree that doesn't help you be enlisted in the movement to make change, it's like, what's it, what's it all for? You know, I'd just be asking questions. <clears throat> that there can only be developing nations at the bottom as long as developed nations live lavishly at the top and that there would be no billionaire record executives without negative lyrics in hip-hop. People talk so much about challenging the rappers. We need to challenge the record labels and the companies and the guys who's, who, drive, who really run hip-hop driving around in like a Pinto and whatnot. So, you know, we don't even know nothing about them. And, that, and they, you know, so people have pensions invested in hip-hop, you know, and, and the prison industrial complex and the like. It's easy to target the rappers. It's, 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 a, it's a lot more to go into this other stuff. The next time you look into the mirror, step deep into your eyes and realize that the good life for you is not but someone else's hell. Hey, Luke Scars. So it's really just a gigantic wishing well. So that those of us who have experienced success bless the world of our knowledge and not live comfortably on the edge of selfishness. And this is where I close it up. For if you spend your entire life devoted to material wealth while drinking and smoking yourself into declining health, if you choose not to take the time to serve those less fortunate than we, then hell will be arriving at your door much faster than you can blink and sooner than you think. Enough said. That's hell from the book, from the limbs of my poetry. Grabbing my next poem here. So, uh, uh, hey, Asita Forever as well. So, you know, I'm seeing, trying to see comments as I can and, you know, hitting some of those comments as I can. I'm going to hit this new poem that I have not shared before in this live Deciphered show that we do every hey Zanetico. Uh, we do this show. Thank you, Musa. We do this show every Friday at eleven. Thank you for joining. This next poem is called "Changing the Climate on Climate Change." I was honored to be asked by um, Jane Fonda and, and Greenpeace to create a poem for their Fire Drill Friday movement. <clears throat> And I'm working on a music video that'll be out shortly that kind of culminates my experience and role in that. And my son Yenga has a cameo in there. But um, I was really honored to be asked to be part of that because I believe that a true artist should have the ability to speak up and for everybody and communities where they may not have a voice. You have a role of giving them a voice. And so I wrote this poem and you know I performed it at one of the Fire Joe Fridays in, uh, in, in D.C., and it was a powerful day with, with, with her and Tara Huska and Amber Valletta and and just just lots of people, Joaquin Phoenix, Martin Sheen, and it was uh, uh, Susan Sarandon. You know, just a lot of people came out. And so I wrote this poem that I'm going to share with you all. <clears throat> Our house is on fire from this ver from this climate quagmire. Yes, our house is on fire. But more and more of us are inspired. 
and will keep reaching higher until some of these bank CEOs are fired. We have less than 11 years, but we will have no fear because we understand that the science couldn't be more clear. And these banks are not as innocent as they seem to appear. As they defund climate change, we won't shun moral outrage. You see, we've done the work. We followed the money. Financial companies putting Mother Earth on one knee. From Bank of America to Chase J.P. Morgan, these toxic investments are killing her organs. From the lowest to the highest funder of fossil fuel expansion, we will chase through all types of distraction from taking real action. To understand this climate emergency, they must emerge and see that whether we're talking about tar sands in far lands or oil pipelines on indigenous sands, we can't have a Dakota pipeline if it cuts off our lifelines. And for those who say it's wrong to protest, we say it's the right time because too many are silent, which is the same as being compliant. To continue to put people over profit, it's high time to stop it. We will stay on mission to cut these emissions. For every billion for fossil fuel expansion moving us closer to defeat, we'll hit the streets with a billion voices and a billion feet until these companies confess that it's best to divest. Every day we must put their commitments to the test. And we don't care if we risk our careers or risk an arrest because if we don't act now, there will be nothing left because it's not a loss to stop profiting from climate chaos. Put people and planet over profit and you'll never have a financial loss because financial fossil fuel profits simply do not fit. A clean earth CEOs, don't you want your grandkids to enjoy it? Instead of having more and more fear, let's get more and more clear because we can take control and force companies to stop investing in coal. For our world's peace of mind, we the undersigned are telling you that clean energy transformation leaves no one behind. We've cried hundreds of tears, and our indigenous brothers and sisters have been telling us this for hundreds of years. But today we stand arms locked with Standing Rock, and all these mega banks were demanding you stop. These banks that we've trusted with our life savings are destroying our lives, but we will make them all switch sides because a cleaner planet is the prize. That's changing the climate on, ch on climate change. Let me break this down. And, you know, one of the things I love about the poetry that I write, not that, you know, I love my poetry, I think it's hot or anything like that. I mean that, you know, I research before I write. And so when I was asked to do this and I was commissioned to do this, I, I, I did more research to speak on it. And these are some of the things that I learned. Hey, Melanie TC, what's popping? So our house is on fire. And, you know, this was uh, Greta, I, I, forgive me if I'm pronouncing her name wrong, you know, uh, Greta uh, uh, Tuthenberg, um, uh, and, you know, young global, uh, climate change activist that's gotten worldwide recognition. And, you know, she was talking about our house being on fire. And so that's where I draw that line from. And shout out to her and all of the young people out there fighting to make this change every day. From this climate quagmire. Yes, our house is on fire, but more of us are inspired and we'll keep reaching higher until some of these bank CEOs are fired. Now, throughout this poem, you're going to hear me coming back to different bank companies. The companies that you have are being part of, whether it's Bank of America or Chase, I believe Wells Fargo as well. These are like the biggest supporters of climate change. So it's one thing uh, I mean, uh, uh, of, of what's happening in terms of destroying the climate. 
So it's one thing to say, uh, hey, Laurie, I see you, Laurieann. Uh, and it's, it's one thing to say we support our Native American brothers and sisters or we support the efforts of climate change and like recycling and the like and, you know, healthy diet. We need to do those things, but we need to hit people in the pockets as well. We can't keep giving our money to companies like this. You know, Joe Madison said that if you hit people in their pocketbooks, their hearts will follow. So now is maybe the time to go after I get off of this and look at your, your credit card accounts, your statements, and see who's supporting this type of work. So we can, you know, get out there and demand this change. And we'll keep reaching higher until some of these bank CEOs are fired. And we have less than 11 years, but we'll have no fear. Some people say we have less than 11 years before stuff really hits the fan as it relates to climate change. Hey, Dagishwan. Uh, so we have to really get our act together now because we understand that the science couldn't be more clear and these banks are not as innocent as they seem to appear. Look, I appreciate a lot of the work these banks are doing in supporting the black community on many levels now, but we can't give them a pass as it relates to what they're doing as it relates to climate change and destroying some of these other uh, communities as well that we also are suffering from as well. Uh, I'm not uh, Barney. What's up? I see you. Because toxic, when we talk about air pollution and the like, those things hit our community just as, you know, hit our community as well. As they defund climate change, we won't shun moral outrage. You see, we've done the work. We follow the money. Financial companies putting Mother Earth on one knee. From Bank of America to Chase J.P. Morgan, these toxic investments killing her organs. Quaking that to Mother Earth. Speaking on that. From the lowest to the highest funder of fossil fuel expansion. We have to understand the role of these fossil fuels in destroying the environment. We will chase, I'm playing off a of chase. We will chase through all types of distractions from taking real action. To understand this climate emergency, we have to emerge and see. So I'm playing off of emergency and emergency there. That whether we're talking about tar sands and far lands or pipelines on indigenous lands are going to be coming back to the Dakota pipeline often throughout this piece. We can't have a Dakota pipeline if it cuts off our lifelines. Is it worth having oil at a cheaper price coming through our communities if an entire community that sees their their air their 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 land as sacred being destroyed? And in the Native American mythology of this of this group, uh, you know, there's this there, there's this mythology of a big black snake coming to destroy their land. That's what a oil pipeline is. Like these are stories we have to learn and understand. And for those who say it's wrong to protest, we say it's the right time. The time's always right to do right, as Dr. King said. Because too many of us are silent, which is being compliant. To continue to put people over profit, it's high time to stop it. We will stay on mission to cut these emissions. For every billion of fossil fuel expansion that moves us closer to defeat, we'll hit the streets with a billion voices and a billion feet. These protests have not stopped. You know, Jane Fonda and so many other people out there, Greenpeace, are doing the work. We need y'all to get out there and join the movement as well. We'll hit the streets with a billion voices and a billion feet until these companies confess that it's best to divest. We've had divest movements before. Apartheid, South Africa, we can do this. Seeing people are divesting from the racist Washington football team name, right? It's about time. We need to do this the same energy for climate change. Every day we must put their commitments to the test. And we don't care if we risk our careers or risk an arrest. I was out there, Martin Sheen, all of these guys, Joaquin Phoenix, Jane Fonda, you know, getting arrested, put Tyra Husko, putting their stuff out there, lies on the line to do this work. You know, hey, PSM, JWIC, you know, what are you willing to do for a cleaner climate? Because if we don't act now, there'll be nothing left. Because it's not a loss to stop profiting from climate chaos. Put people and planet over profit, you'll never have a financial loss. Who's willing to do that work? We got to force them. 
Because financial fossil fuel profits simply do not fit. A clean earth CEOs, don't you want your grandkids to enjoy it? It's sort of like what I said in the first poem. It's like you gain the world, but then there's no world left. What's the point? What's it all for at the end of the day? Instead of having more fear, let's get more and more clear because we can take control and force companies to stop investing in coal. For our world's peace of mind, we, the undersigned, that's me and you, hopefully, are telling you that clean energy transformation leaves no one behind. We've cried hundreds of tears and our indigenous sisters and brothers have been saying this for hundreds of years. When will we start listening? Some people just kind of jumped on the climate change bandwagon, but they've been doing this forever. And I don't mean that people to say that the climate change bandwagon like you're doing it as a fad. I'm saying a lot of us learned about this late and we're doing the work now. And it's like I said, the time is always right to do right. But if we, we need to learn from the people who have been doing this for centuries. But today we stand arms locked with Standing Rock. Again, speaking of the pipeline. And all these mega banks were demanding you stop. These banks that we've trusted with our life savings are destroying our lives. But we will make them all switch sides because a cleaner planet is the prize. What is your prize? What are you willing to get out there and fight for? That's my second poem, Changing the Climate on Climate Change. You can see that video on YouTube as well, where you can also subscribe um, to that channel. Thank you, Jazza Love. Appreciate you joining as well. Um, so those are my two poems for today. That poem is actually going to be on my next album. Yes, uh, news alert. Um, I am going to finally do another album. It's probably going to be my eighth album. I don't think I've done an album in about three years. I've been doing singles and stuff, but I think I'm going to do, it's time for an album. Uh, I'm going to throw it, that's going to be on there as well. As I was just going to do a hip hop album, but you know, the spoken word is speaking to me as well. So I hope that is when that's out there. Y'all support it and share it. Um, yeah, I just love making music and, and doing tracks and stuff. So um, yeah, I want to tell you the name of it right now, but I'm not going to tell you because I got to do my old copyright, trademark things, blah, blah, blah. So that's deciphered, you all. Every Friday, 11 o'clock, many of the poems I read are from this book, From the Limbs of My Poetry. Um, some of the poems you could already get on, like, like Hell, you could already get on Amazon, uh, CD Baby, Apple, wherever music is downloadable, you can get it, or buy CDs, you know, if you do that as well. Please join us. Please tell a friend, people who learn spoken word and some hip-hop. Last week, I did some hip-hop as well. So uh, if that's all I got for you all, please follow. Um, if you're joining for the first time, please follow me on these platforms. I'm here on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm um, also starting up a TikTok joint, so you can holler at me there. You know, uh, And, of course, I'm on YouTube as well. So please subscribe, holler at me, and please, everybody, stay safe. Peace out. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. Hey, Lasko, Nawaz, Dave, just joining. You know, we're just finishing up as well. So um, we're going to do this again. Please join me next week at 11. Have a wonderful day, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.